Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the At The Hive podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. On today's episode, we talk draft lottery the results that shocked the world with the pelicans jumping up to the number one pick we talk about the ramifications that has on the hornets and whether or not kimball walker will stay or if he will leave Uh, we think he should stay we explain why and we explain what we think the team should do to improve the team around him this summer and we wrap up with a little bit of talk previewing the draft and what's coming ahead for the site as a whole in the next month the at the hive podcast i am jonathan DeLong. i am joined by zach brown zach how are you i'm good man is it weird that when something good happens to the pelicans i take it personally as a hornets fan no it's funny (laughs) it's not weird (laughs) it's funny because um there's a lot is made about how the hornets have always moved down in the lottery since they've been reincarnated in 2004 and they've never moved up um, the first iteration of the Charlotte Hornets moved up three times, and I don't, and they moved down twice, and it huh. seems like that good luck is is just carried on to their New Orleans existence. Okay, I got you're transitioning the Charlotte Hornets of your into the the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, like when the franchise, like yeah, like yeah. the franchise as, as as an entity when it moved to New Orleans, it kept their their lottery fortunes because the Hornets, the original Hornets moved up like 10 spots, eight spots and six spots, I think in three different drafts. And now in new Orleans, they, you know, they got Anthony Davis, obviously. And now they get best prospects since Anthony Davis. They stole Anthony Davis. (laughs) Yes, they did from, from the then Charlotte Bobcats. um, And then they lose, they're going to lose Anthony Davis. I mean, probably. um, And then they get rewarded with, you know, the best prospect since Anthony Davis, yeah. right? Pretty, pretty lucky. So the re- real only thing about the lottery in regards to the Hornets, because they stayed at 12, which was an 86% chance of happening. So no one should be surprised. But on that, the lottery is stupid because it makes you really excited for something that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, it happened for the Pelicans. It happened it for the Lakers. But yeah, but like for most people, the vast majority of fans, like I, I, all day, I'm like, oh, tonight's the night. The Hornets might get Zion. The Hornets might get a top four pick. And then it's just like, why am I letting myself get my hopes up for this? Like, this, there's an 86 percent chance. There's a better. There's twice as likely that we pick 13th than we pick top. Than we picked four. Hey, you got to hope for something, man. It's like playing <laughs> yeah. lo- the actual lottery, you know? Yeah. Um, I did like. What did you think about the flattened odds at the top? Did you? I like. I like it. I like. Yeah. That. Yeah. I think it's it. Do, it doesn't incentivize as much tanking, though. We saw a lot of tanking this year. I think. Yeah, but I think teams were like obviously they knew the numbers, but I think it's kind of a wake up call where being bad will obviously give you the best odds, but you can't count on it as like a long term strategy, like the seventy sixers did. You know, like. If you, I did a bunch of stuff in a comment section today, and I don't know if you've read it, but basically, if you're the worst team in the league, your average expected draft spot is 3.66 based on the odds. So your odds of getting a good player, if you're repeatedly the absolute worst player, like worst team in the league over and over and over again, your odds of getting all-star caliber players is like 15% over a four-year span to get more than one. And that's a small percentage, but your odds for landing in free agency a star when you're a small market team mm-hmm. can't be great either. 
you know. No, um, but for we've the struggled we with have. that. Yeah, we've yeah. struggled with that. Other small markets have struggled with that as well. Um, so you kind of, I understand the, I understand why Michael Jordan doesn't want to do that, and I understand, mm-hmm. you know, when people want to put the process in and um, yeah, tank to get those uh, better picks. I go back and forth with that. Like, <laughs> do, do I want the Charlotte Hornets, who are, uh, if we're lucky, a perennial low end of the playoffs, you know, just like this year, almost made the playoffs and missed it. Mm-hmm. They they are trying to win. When, when we lose games, <laughs> we are legitimately losing games. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to tank. And the one time they did tank, they got burned. It was... Uh, and, and we that- got the tw- 12th pick in this year's draft. Which was what we should have gotten, you know, and you roll them dice. Sometimes they come up snake eyes, you know? Yeah. And we'll get into who we like at that spot. There's a, there's a lot to comb through there because this draft is pretty much even from like eight to 25, it seems like. So there's a lot to go through there, but today we're going to focus on Kimball Walker and his like what his future like what the team should do based on his future and what he decides to do this offseason now that we know that the hornets are locked into the 12th pick and that that can't be used as like a you know we got zion williamson or ja Morant coming in type of deal to incentivize him to stay now it's kind of like the team as it's already constructed is what we have to use to sell him on yeah it's the biggest question of the offseason and maybe even the biggest question they've had since coming back to Charlotte is mm-hmm. can we convince Kemba Walker to come back? And if you talk to the Charlotte observer or <laughs> other organizations, do we want Kemba Walker to come back? Um, talk to the, talk to us about the potential max he, he would get, right? So if he is not an on, on an all NBA team, it's five years, 190 million is the mm-hmm. max, correct? It's, it's, it's based yeah it's based so for charlotte it's based on the percentage of the salary cap salary cap right yeah and i'm i think it's 30 percent of the salary cap um <laughs> if he doesn't make the all nba and then since he is a and then since he's been with the hornets for more than three years he gets he's a bird free agent and uh sorry about the yelping um everybody that's Keekly. that's jonathan's <laughs> new dog he's a guest on the podcast yeah. today. <laughs> probably future future frequent contributor to the show Keekly yelping in the background trying to wrestle toys away from the other dog um, right so potential max is five years around 190 yeah, million is what they're yeah. projecting it would and start if he gets an all nba team it's 221 million over five mm-hmm. years yeah it's 35 percent, and then uh it's the raises are eight percent i'm pretty sure over season over season um so it's a lot of money and compared, there are people- yeah compared to other teams that could only offer him four years around mm-hmm. 140 million yep and the raises are five percent over year over year so the just Hornets to kind of give people a context of, of what kim is choosing between yes exactly so there's you have to decide over if winning or you know if you think the odds of winnings somewhere else are so much better and you put that much weight into it that it'll it's worth sacrificing one year of financial security and about fifty million dollars over the life of the contract total. So gotcha. it's a lot, which is it's a lot of money for sure. Yeah. So Kimba's starting salary will be about thirty-two point seven million dollars this summer. Uh, we resign him for a max, which if he resigns, it's going to be for a max. It would be very insulting if they go to sit down in a meeting and Mitch Kupchak's like, all right, Kimba, so we're going to start the bidding. We're going to start the negotiations at a flat 30 million per season. Like if I'm Kimba, I walk out of the room. I I agree. And I don't think that Kupchak would come to the table like that. I do no. think they're willing to offer him the max. Yeah. Um, and I think that Kimba has stated above the money that mm-hmm. at least in the past, and you never know, people say the right things at the right times, that mm-hmm. he wants to stay with the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that when we didn't get Marcus All um, at the trade deadline, that he felt kind of betrayed by the organization, that we couldn't mm-hmm. attract even someone of Marcus All's cal- uh, caliber, mm-hmm. and maybe that his mind started to change, obviously missing the playoffs. You know how much he hates missing the playoffs. So you got to keep that in mind when you're thinking about his commitment to Charlotte. Yeah, and I think there's obviously some emotional reaction to that 
where it, like sure. it, it, even I think like Charlotte Hornets fans felt that in the moment too, where it was pretty much like a done deal that we're getting Marcus All and for better or worse, whether you like the idea or not, it's like we're going to get a you know all star former All Star former Defensive Player of the Year player on the Hornets, which is an obvious immediate upgrade. And for that to fall through, it's just like, come on, guys, we need to do something because we haven't really done anything of significance since we made the playoffs in 2015-16. Like we re-signed all those free agents, and we've been so up against at the cap that we have contracts. Yeah, it, we've basically had the same roster for three seasons in a row almost now. So and I, Marcus I can... All on the Hornets is mm-hmm. not the Marcus All on the Raptors. Marcus All no. would have so much more responsibility on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know when people project like that, like oh look at Marcus All. Um, playing well with the Raptors, it's a very different team in a very different situation. Yeah, and it, yeah, he's he's got less on his plate there, but I also think here, like statistically, like like with the Raptors statistically, he's averaging nine point seven rebounds, four assists, which is like you know Nick Batum. But I think in Charlotte, you know, he's gonna take he take more shots, get more rebounds, play more minutes, all that Score stuff. Like points, he, yeah. yeah, everything. So it, it would have helped us in the short term. I don't mind not making the move just because. I think there's better options now. Like I think I like I think Mitch Kupchak in the front office is probably more comfortable making a move in the summer now that we kind of know the landscape of everything. Like who's picking where in the draft. Like you know what how the players looked at like the young guys look down the stretch of the season because the last thing you want to do and obviously you can protect it but is to give up a pick to get Marcus All then all of a sudden jumps up in the lottery. Yeah, of course. Now if we were to sign Kemba Walker to the max. And did made no other moves uh, for the roster. We would mm-hmm. be over the cap for the next two years at least. Correct. Um, we would be. We'd actually be over the luxury tax. Um, this summer. So right. that's not ideal. Um, but I think yeah, we'd be over the cap. But we wouldn't be over the cap next summer. And and. There's arguments to against signing Kemba to this huge deal, right? Yeah. So Kemba's 29 years old. He is a he's listed at six foot, and um, he's seen as one of the smaller guards in the league. And smaller guards don't have a history of aging very well. Ask the Rockets about Chris Paul. <laughs> um, yeah. And and he would be 35 at the end of this contract, making 40 plus. Mm-hmm. million a year um so it's a big bet on not only Kemba Walker being uh who he's been but also Kemba Walker being enough to attract talent not next year maybe even not even the year after that but in that third year of that contract would be mm-hmm. kind of the sweet spot if we did nothing else yeah so right now um I wish I had my spreadsheets in front of me I'm looking at my article that I wrote but if we re-sign Kemba to a max and that was the only move the hornets made this offseason they'd have roughly 30 million 25 30 million dollars in cap space going into next summer so not quite enough to offer a max um you could manufacture that pretty easily especially if you find a way to get rid of batum or cody zeller but i don't know if charlotte should be planning on the whole new york model of or Lakers model of just clear out salary and then sign max players in the in the offseason. And also ne- the summer of 2020 is not a great free agency cl- free agency class. It's not, but that 2021 draft possibly could be the double dip draft, right? So there's mm-hmm. yeah, something the coming school. to the NBA. Yeah, right, where high school players could start playing in the NBA again and there's going to be a draft mm-hmm. where the top prospects from college and the top prospects from high school converge. And I think it's that 2021 draft, which is kind of the mm-hmm. sweet spot for where we would have um, a bunch of space. Yeah, but then I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that's like, like I said, I don't know. If, the easiest way for the Hornets to bring in a talent is to trade for them, so they don't have the choice to go somewhere else. Um, I'm looking at that free agent class right now, because um, Durant's going to probably sign a long-term contract. The free agents that year are going to be Kyle Lowry. Paul Millsap, Al Horford, DeMar DeRozan, um, Anthony Davis, maybe. 
Um, <laughs> Marcus Gasol. Um, yeah, I mean that's not. Yeah, although those Alan, are all quality players. It's yeah, not a Alan, murderer's yeah, row. I'm trying to. Yeah, and these are like unrestricted. If we get to restricted free agency, there's not gonna be anybody worth it. But yeah, it's there's no superstar talent out there coming really. down the bend right yeah now, it's not like this summer where durant and Kawhi and jimmy butler and tobias harris and all of these all-star caliber players are going to be on the market and kyrie irving all that stuff with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So we're both in agreement that if you're the Charlotte Hornets, you max out Kemba Walker if you have the opportunity, correct? Yes. So real quick before we get into that, yeah. do you think there's anything, any merit to the idea that the Hornets just let him walk. Do you think there's any good reason for that? I know the argument, like you said, about he's going to be getting paid a lot of money at the end of the deal, and he's a smaller point guard, and you know we haven't won with him as our best player and all that stuff. Do you think there's any, like, any good reason to just let him go and start from scratch, or do you think that's too makes it's, the team is not in a situation to like withstand? It's getting it's getting too period. cute is what it is. It's it's clickbait. Mm-hmm. It's a great, you know, mental exercise. If you if the time to get away from Kemba Walker, if you were getting away from him, was mm-hmm. uh the last trade deadline. Mm-hmm. If you let Kemba Walker go, two things happen. First, you've proved to the league, to your fans, to the NBA that you can't keep a franchise player, even when he's publicly stated multiple times how much he's loved the city. You've mm-hmm. been so inept as a franchise that you not only is he willing to sign in this scenario, but that you have chosen not to give him the, the max. Mm-hmm. And then the second reason why I think that letting him go would be crazy is that there is no, it's not like we have a top three pick. It's not like we have this, multiple picks in the future that are going to build a team like you know the Boston Celtics when they were rebuilding we mm-hmm. don't have that and we don't have anything we don't have any gas in the tank no one wants Frank Kaminsky we learned that last trade deadline mm. um and you know yeah it's basically we're we're stuck using our own picks wherever they may end up to try to build back from nothing without, like you said, other future assets like the Boston Celtics being handed years worth of drafts by the Nets or the 76ers acquiring every single pick under the sun by offloading when they used to have good players. Like we don't have anybody that could fetch, you know, useful future assets. No. And if you want me to be like the sky is falling chicken for a second, every, mm-hmm. anytime they talk about, uh, bringing the Seattle Seahawks, uh, the Seattle Supersonics back, uh-huh. they name teams that they could move to Seattle, and the Charlotte Hornets aren't like their top three teams that they name, but they're in that top five. And if you yeah. lose Kemba Walker, and again for another ten years are are not competitive, um, you get into the conversation of hey, this franchise isn't doing anything in Charlotte. Maybe we can move it to Seattle and grow the fan base you know yeah it's it's always been like memphis and new orleans are the top of like the obvious choices and then there's kind of a group of teams that, that like down below it that are less likely but i think if the hornets lose kemba walker and don't get extremely lucky like the pelicans are doing they quickly can fall like start to slide into that group of teams yeah 100 percent so that's how I feel about it. I, 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 like, I feel very strongly that if Kemba wants to stay, um, mm. we should resign Kemba. The other side of that coin, Jonathan, do you think Kemba Walker will stay? I think he can be convinced. I don't think, like, I think if you just, like, sat down at the table and said, all right, here you go, sign the contract, he would do it. But I think there's enough the team can say to like sell him on the idea of the future. Like the whole Kimba and the Avengers thing last year, like where the team was actually good with young players that are only going to get better. And then the scenarios we're going to talk about coming up that are 
very plausible ways for the team to get a second star player in here without mortgaging significant future assets and completely gutting the team of the the Kimba and the Avengers that were so, so successful at the end of the year. Yeah, I think the trades are possible um, if you're looking at it from the Hornets. I think that other trades in the NBA are also more possible and you may end up with these same people. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the other players who are also going to free agency from the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're losing Kemba Walker, Jeremy Lamb, and Frank Kaminsky. We're not losing them, but they're coming into free agency now. Explain mm-hmm. the Kaminsky situation. Explain his, his So he's a restricted on. free agent. His qualifying offer is 125% of his current contract, I'm pretty sure, um, which is not a lot, but he's going to get a bigger offer than that, I think. In the free his what's his qualifying offer? Qualifying offer is four point basically four point five million dollars. Um, so the Hornets can offer him a qualifying offer four point two five million dollars if he accepts if he signs that qualifying offer. It's a one year contract, and he becomes an unrestricted free agent in summer of twenty twenty. If he does not sign that qualifying offer, but the Hornets extend it, they have the right to match with any other team. Um, the caveat to that is while that qualifying offers extended it counts against the cap and which i guess doesn't matter since we're so far with the cap anyway but that's you know the team's kind of hamstrung in that regard so do you, you want to sign frank kaminsky i mean i think that you would offer him the qualifying offer obviously do you think, think frank kaminsky can evolve into something other than a i mean he's not he wasn't even a six man this year i realize he got more play at the end of the year Mm-hmm. Um, but he almost wasn't even in the plan to begin with. I think you offer him the qualifying offer out of the gate um, just to, you know, because you'd be silly not to. Right. Um, I think if a team comes in with any sort of significant offer, you kind of have to let him walk unless you have a lot of plans to clear off other salary or you don't intend on bringing Jeremy Lamb back. I don't. I think it's very difficult to bring back both Jeremy Lamb and Frank Kaminsky without going because we'll be in the luxury tax right away when we re-sign Kimball Walker. It's very difficult to bring back Kaminsky and Lamb without going way, way into the luxury tax because it's just too hard because we'd have to get rid of like all of Nicholas Batum and Marvin Williams and Michael Kidd Gilchrist and maybe Cody Zeller to make to get the team back under the cap. Right. And that's without bringing back significant salary. So if we do that, the team's just like gutted of its players yeah not to mention we have to sign a first round pick and two second round picks mm-hmm. um yeah do you think so uh, most of this podcast we're going to us uh, for going f- for the future we're going to assume that we re-sign kimba walker let me ask mm-hmm. you a real quick question about if we don't sign uh kimba walker do you see the advantage of re-signing lamb and kaminsky to larger contracts Hoping they play well in the beginning of the year, trying to trade them at the trade deadline or something. Um, I can that. Yeah, I can see that. I probably honestly, it's probably the a good way to go. Um, but not long term contracts. I wouldn't think. Because like Jeremy Lamb, he is about to turn twenty seven, so he's not like a spring chick. I mean, he's young. He's in his prime, but he's not like a a young asset that teams are going to expect to appreciate in the next couple of years. Um, Frank's pretty similar, I think. So I think you maybe sign them to like overpaid, like one year deals with like a team option for a second year. And then, like you said, try to see if you can flip them for future assets. Like that's what the Suns tried to do when they signed Trevor Reese to that big deal. Right. Um, for that one year to try to use him as an expiring contract. I think you, yeah, you can try to do that. Um, God, and then basically, let's, not, let's hope that Wasteland doesn't happen. I can't <laughs> watch. I, as much as Jeremy Lamb, I've I've enjoyed watching him uh, this mm-hmm. past year. Seeing Jeremy Lam, uh, Jeremy Lamb and Nicholas Batum like starting um, guard spots is just let's not do that <laughs> in 2020. Yeah, so it'd be like one of those things like you sign them to one or two year deals, and then you just take whatever offer, like whatever best offer you can get, even yeah. if it's nothing, basically just because it's you're at you're in asset collection mode at that point and jeremy lamb and frank kaminsky even if they're good players won't match the timeline of the team 
when it expects to be good, if you know what I mean. Like Miles Bridges is about as old as you want when you're at that point. Miles Bridges and Malik Monk, you're trying to base around that age as you're, you know, where you want your core group to be. So yeah, right. So it, so going forward, we're going to assume that we sign Kemba Walker um, to his max, and we're going to kind of talk about some possible um, free agency moves and some moves that the, we can make with the roster. Um, you mm-hmm. wrote an amazing article on atthehive.com. Everybody should go oh, read thanks. it. We also wrote a bunch of uh, player reviews this past week and t- week or two. Um, you, the, one of the main things, one of the main pieces of all of your potential free agency moves is that we um, uh, take Bismack Biombo and spread his years over three years, right? Yes. I don't. He could also be used in a trade, but. If I'm the Hornets, I, he's just—he's such a non-asset as a player that I—I I think it's really hard to offload his contract and get anything of value in return. Yeah, he's making seventeen you know? million next year. Yeah, so it's not like he's like, oh, he's an expiring contract. You can give him to somebody. Like he's not going to be a useful player for anybody. So you're only trading him as the contract, but. If you're going to trade him as a contract, you have to. Breaking news: get... Bismack Biombo will not be a useful player for anybody. <laughs> Sorry, Biz, but that's no. That's, I mean, that's been know. the fact of the matter for the last couple of years. He's been like statistically one of the worst centers in the league that's played. Um, what an awful contract that was. Good job, Orlando. Um, so the only way you can get rid of his contract as a trade is to either send him to somebody. That'll absorb him into cap space, which they'll Requires make a pay. you giving more things. Yes, yeah, so you have to pay trade. exactly, right. or bringing back somebody else that has the same, a similar salary on a longer deal, which is you know also not going to help the Hornets in any way because they're still going to need to clear off other salary. And since his contract is expiring and it's the biggest expiring, it's the lowest, it's the least, it's the lowest amount of commitment to wave somebody like you we could also wave and stretch Batum, but it would be spread over five years. And I, that's a, that's a long time to spread. It's a long time to have. Yeah. Batum on your, on your books. <laughs> yeah. And it's a similar, it'd be a similar amount of money. Cause the way, the way it is, is you take the, and it's more money too. Like you take the remaining value of the contract. So biz has 17 million left. Nicholas Batum has roughly like a little over 50. You take that and you divide, you uh, spread it out over the remaining years of the contract times two plus one. So Biz has one year left on his contract, which means you spread that over three years. Nick has two years left on his contract, so times two is four plus one extra is five. So you'd be spreading it's basically ten and a half million dollars a season over the next five years just to get Batum off the roster. And I know nobody likes him, but that's that he's not that bad to warrant paying ten and a half million dollars for him to not play for this team. No, Especially and I think with- unlike Biz, put in the right situation, put into a, a Spurs organization or mm-hmm. you know maybe uh, coming off the bench at in uh oakland or something like that you could still use nicholas Batum. he's not an uh, you know a negative as a player yeah as, yeah as much as people don't like to hear this he's not a an actively <laughs> bad player he's a massively overpaid player he is not a useless player yeah i i Hope to God I will be massively overpaid, and and people will hate me for you know we not can... having enough talent to be, to be. You know what I mean? All aspire to be good at our job, but get way too much money for it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about the white whales that you uh, wrote about on this article, starting with possibly trading for Kevin Love. The... Now there were rumors that they they were in some discussions with the Cavaliers to trade for Love last year, correct? Yeah. In a couple different places. I think it, ha- it came out in the beginning of the year and at the trade deadline that we talked to Cleveland about Kevin Love. And Cleveland would do this twofold. First, Kevin Love has a massive contract that's just – it has he hasn't even gotten into the first year of it yet. I think he's got a five-year deal. Yeah. Um, and he they could trade Kevin Love for Nicholas Batum. Nicholas Batum has, although he's paid a bunch, only has two years left on that contract. Yeah, so it's a five-year extension, which doesn't start until – or started – yeah. It's four years after this year. Like, the extension doesn't kick in until this coming season. So, yeah, his contract basically hasn't started yet. 
So he's under contract till 2023. No options. And you think, so in, in the article, you said that the Hornets would receive Kevin Love, the Cavaliers would receive Nicholas Batum, the 12th overall pick, and Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a lot for us to take money off their cap. Yeah, um, and it, I try to be, I try not to be Homer-ish, because yeah. there's way too many places on the internet if somebody's doing it from a Hornets perspective, they're like, oh, oh yeah, Nicholas Batum for Kevin Love straight up and call it a day. And, like, that's not realistic. Like, trades usually hurt a little bit. Like, or unless you totally fleece the other team, there's always a part of the trade that makes you kind of, like, groan. And if and that's why I threw in both of those assets. And Our I think wonderful you- commenters on com think this 12th overall pick is made of pure gold. And mm-hmm. people will trade for it. You know, we'll get Draymond Green some way mm-hmm. for the twelfth pick overall. Um, you're just you're dreaming when you think that you're going to get that kind of return uh, from a twelfth pick in a draft that most people think is not going to be a great draft. Yeah, I, and then that's what the general consensus is, and then that's just kind of what I've seen too. Like last year, there were people I was excited about. Like I was excited about Miles Bridges. I was rooting for us to select Miles Bridges. I was even excited about like Lonnie Walker. This year, I, I, everybody's like, "Man, I have I don't I can't find anybody that I would like root for the Hornets to select at 12. I wanted SGA, like the- and we took him and we <laughs> traded him. I wanted SGA, <laughs> and Danny Chow uh, from the Ringer said that SGA would have probably been picked second in this draft. Um, that's how well he's done in his first year. Um, I've I mm-hmm. talked about that in a. Uh, an article that I wrote about Miles Bridges, who I really like as well. Um, there's just not yeah. that, at least most people don't think there's that type of depth in, depth in this draft. Yeah, I disagree with the whole, like, you go second. I think I like John Morant better than Shea. But regardless of that, yeah, like, right. the only players that are, like, enticing to me at 12 are, are players like Bull Bull and Kevin Porter Jr. because they're massively talented, both of them. But both of them have huge red flags, like Bull Bull with his foot and kevin porter with his mentality so that 12th pick i just i don't know what if we can really expect anybody especially for a team that's trying to sell kimball walker on like we're really trying to win i can't see anybody at the 12th pick that's like an obvious candidate to improve the team right out of the gate well it's definitely not that's what we'll expect that pick to do as well um Mm -hmm. a lot of times with our uh, Steve Clifford hated this too. Like mm-hmm. you put too much on a rookie and you can ruin their progress by putting too mm-hmm. much responsibility of the team on them. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe that sometimes we've made that mistake as a franchise. Um, but I think that, I think there's other things we can do with that 12th pick and we'll get into them um, that may not involve us picking a, a bowl bowl or, mm-hmm. and even adding that onto an already crazy uh, luxury tax salary situation. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, so it trades. Besides the improvement in the players, it's a way to kind of consolidate the big contracts into big contracts on useful players, while reducing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we don't have to pay like Nicholas. If we send out Nicholas between Malik Monk and the first round pick, we are our salary bill for the next season goes down and we get better players. Gotcha. Gotcha. So in, in the long term, like, you know, I guess the, the sacrificing future assets and stuff. And I think I mentioned, and I mentioned in the post, I would try to get the Cavs. They, they're owed somebody's first round pick near the end of the first round. Oh yeah. And you would want to trade it for uh, like a high second. It's 26. So yeah, like we would move up 10 spots from 36 to 26. If we give them 12 and Malik Monk, maybe even just give them 36 and Malik Monk. That might be enough. I know on 2k, that was enough for me <laughs> when I did it. <laughs> so In-depth 2k research, so. ladies and gentlemen, you don't get that from every podcast. <laughs> Um, I still don't think it's enough, Jonathan. I still think that the Lakers could put together a better package for Kevin Love, which I've heard, you know, some rumblings about even, (laughs) you know, I don't know why they'd want to do this, but if, if Boston had any interest in getting Kevin Mm -hmm. Love, 
they could put together a more interesting interesting package that wouldn't include you know some of their more juicy players um uh al horford mm. i think has an option um he could opt yeah, into that and they could, yeah take that take that salary off their cap the way that you're looking at it i appreciate that you were trying to be fair and i think that you were even more fair even talking about the other pick swaps but i don't think that we would get kevin love in the in the end of it your your next uh move that you talked about was possibly getting say it again one thing for kevin love well two things one how funny would it be if the lakers trade for kevin love and then sign kyrie irving and they just run back the Cavs. <laughs> just Cavalier 2.0. The Cavs fans would be so mad. The other thing with both of these trades, really, and both Kevin Love in particular, um, you got to try to strike quick with it while the other teams are trying to go after like Anthony Davis and saving cap space for like Clay Thompson and Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler and all that, and try to get a deal done like while all those other dominoes are still out there. And maybe you can get Cleveland just to take it, take an offer and not risk like the offer not being there and everybody else going like getting what they want before coming back, circling back to Kevin Love as like a fallback option. So if you I think if you can beat everyone else to the punch while they're like like while the Celtics and Lakers are zoned in on Anthony Davis, you can maybe get a little bit of a bargain. So I have a ridiculous Hail Mary move that I was going to bring up Mm -hmm. later. Um, Uh If. Even with that crazy Hail Mary move, it, the player that we would get is not as good as Kevin Love. If we were able to re-sign Kemba, trade for Kevin Love, that's best case scenario mm. for the Hornets. That's, you know, uh, fifth spot in the playoffs, maybe, you know, sixth or maybe fourth, you know? Um, yeah. And that Kevin Love is, is great. Yeah, it's, exactly. And And Kevin Love playing with LeBron made people believe that Kevin Love had like three skills. Kevin Love has like mm. seven skills and he was trying mm. to do the things to compliment LeBron James, which you have to do. Yeah. You let him be the the second star on a team, um, you know, I think it would be amazing, especially if we got to keep a lot of our assets, which in your scenario we kind of do. Um let him mm. have Malik Monk for Kevin Love. I'm sorry, man. Let him have it. <laughs> yeah, I think people forget that Kevin Love was like a twenty six 26- per game score in minnesota like 26 and 13 or something ridiculous and he's a really good passer it's just that nobody else is allowed to pass when you play with lebron because lebron always is the ball and you better catch it and shoot it and make so it. he basically he needs that assist. yeah so he's relegated yeah he's basically became relegated to like a a corner spot up shooter like he basically became marvin williams for the Cavs, but he's a much much better <laughs> player than that yeah he also got a ring too so don't cry too much for kevin love and not to mention no. a max salary <laughs> Yeah, but it's just easy to forget how, like you said, how diverse his skill set is because of how um, how much of a limited role he had to play to get out of LeBron's way. All right, so your second proposed trade um, involves our uh, like food Instagram previous general manager, Rich Chow, um, becoming the vice president of basketball strategy in Memphis. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's as like a as a as a second phase of that same plan. Yeah, and I don't know what if you can get the reservation for uh, to the restaurant that you'd have to have the meeting in. Um, it's <laughs> just you know they have reservations out six months. It's hard to do. Um, so oh, in this <laughs> in this scenario, um, Hornets would receive Avery Bradley, which is an interesting player for you to even think is a good fit for the team but they would receive mkg and future second round picks right yeah the the avery bradley thing is not even avery bradley the player it's avery bradley the contract okay because so like based on the kevin love trade that would put the hornets over the luxury tax um and not by a lot and I know Michael, so like the penalty for a first time luxury tax team, especially only dollars or probably like five, more like $7 million after we fell out the roster isn't huge, but teams always seem to try to maneuver their way under it just in case. Cause there are repeater penalties. If you go over it again in the future, um, the team has till the end of the year paying tax for a team that barely makes the playoffs. Yeah. So if the team likes to be safe 
And again, like they can get under the tax later as long as they do by the end of the season. But if they want to start the season under the luxury tax, you trade Michael Kidd Gilchrist or Marvin Williams. I chose Michael Kidd Gilchrist because Marvin Williams actually like contributed regularly. Them. Yeah, like the team whether you agree or not, the Hornets seem to prefer Marvin Williams to Michael Kidd Gilchrist as players right now. Um and you just you you receive Avery Bradley and you immediately waive him because his contract's only guaranteed for two million dollars. Right. So you you would save eleven million dollars in that scenario, which would get the team comfortably under the luxury tax, where they should be able to fill out the roster without going over the luxury tax. I mean, I appreciate the machinations that you go through to get them <laughs> under the luxury tax again, like. You know, the Grizzlies have their own problems with uh, Chandler. I don't see them taking MKG. Even if you put in future second-round picks, I think that might have to include, like, a first-round pick, and that would be mm-hmm. not just, what we would want to do. So the, only, the the reasoning behind that is that I don't think the Grizzlies particularly care too much. Um, the only competition I think the Hornets would have, like, the only leverage the Grizzlies would have in that deal would be if someone else was willing to pay more to get to save to get that Avery Bradley unguaranteed contract. But um I haven't I don't know enough about the stat the status of other teams around the league to know how many teams would want that or other options. But that was one that just jumped out as like uh hey you guys are gonna suck and you have no use for your cap space. So how about we throw you a couple like a twenty twenty one and twenty twenty three second round pick um just that you so say you have MKG instead of Avery Bradley for a year because they don't, I don't think they'll particularly care which of those two players they have. Yeah, you both know, both of them expire at the same time. You know, Memphis lost a bunch of games and they were meaning to lose a bunch of games. Now they have the second pick in the draft. Like, you could see a spot where they could be somewhat competitive in the Western Conference next year. It like mm-hmm. Mike Connolly, the Jaron Jackson Jr., they specifically didn't play him very much um because they were trying to lose games. I, I think mm-hmm. his second year is gonna be way better and he was good as a rookie. Um Kyle Anderson was hurt. You know, you could see a second pick coming in here and splashing, especially if they decide to keep Mike Connolly though, like you said they probably have interest in trading Mike Connolly and trying to acquire picks for a better future. Yeah. Well, even and if they think they're going to be good, though, I think that actually helps the Hornets because Michael K. Gilchrist is a better player than Avery Bradley at this point. Ooh. So, Avery Bradley's been bad since he left Boston. Um, uh, uh, MKG has not been good. No, he hasn't, but... <laughs> But I think you could sell them on the idea that MKG could be more – and I have to look at their roster. But um, I guess Avery Bradley played pretty well for Memphis on the stretch, so maybe I'm wrong. Um, either way, I don't think it's – if I don't think it's a, all that important for them which of those two players are on their team because, like I said, both of the contracts expire at the same time. They're not going to win anything meaningful this coming year. So it's I don't think it's a big deal to them, and they'll just – I think any asset is a good asset for them at this point because they're not going to win anything good until Mike Conley's gone. Gotcha. Do you want to get into the Andre, the last part of your piece, the Andre Drummond piece, or do can we yeah, just so the rest agree of it, not to have Andre Drummond on our team? And <laughs> the rest of it is basically just like it would be the same general. Uh, like there are other players, and it would be the same general process of trying to use Batum as the main money matcher and then waving biz and then offloading someone else for no return like i use cody zeller as the example um with the avery riley trade to get you know to offload some more money since we'd have a million centers if we traded for drummond instead of love um i think andre drummond's a target you don't like andre drummond i don't like andre drummond i just think he's plays a type of basketball that almost doesn't exist anymore you could see him playing the pick and roll with Kemba and maybe that could work, but mm-hmm. I don't think it takes you past the seventh seed. I mean, I think we're just paying another person who I don't think puts us in a different echelon with him being on the team. Yeah, it depends. Cause I think he was the Pistons kind of, he had a better year this year. Yeah. Well, he was doing well before they traded for Blake Griffin. They kind of cut his legs out by 
because he had developed into like a better passer and was becoming like a kind of facilitator from the elbows. Like kind of how Cody Zeller is as an offensive player, you know, with the good parts of Cody Zeller as an offensive player where he can catch and make the right play in like short rolls and stuff. And then the Pistons are like, oh, you've added this element to your game. Let's go out and get a ball dominant power forward that takes up all the space you're thriving in right now. So, yeah, like, on yeah. the other side, it, they got a chance to get Blake Griffin and, yeah. and you know, somewhat to be in the playoffs at least. Um, yeah, it's just it's one of those they added talent, but they kind of sacrificed fit for it. Like he was averaging three and a half assists a game. Uh, he averaged three and a half assists a game in 2017-18, which is right, really good for a center. For a center, right. And I mean, we have a ball dominant point guard. I, I just the fit mm-hmm. that didn't feel right to me, and I would rather go after less expensive targets uh, yeah. on that. Uh, the other, and I. Drummond I brought up also because we also had there's a report that we tried to or we were in discussions with him and the report even said the the Pistons talked about Nick Batum and Malik Monk and if anybody says how about we take <laughs> Nick Batum you just say yes like that's, yeah automatically <laughs> throwing a brand new car <laughs> let's see <laughs> let's see other players in that salary range uh with no research so these these be awful options um Paul Millsap, which I'm pretty sure only has one year left on his deal. Uh, I should look at the next year. Um, Drew Holiday. Any of these? Anything for you? You know, in my crazy mind, if you put past first Drew Holiday with um, Kemba Walker as a shooting mm-hmm. guard, I've, I've always thought that it would be interesting to see Kemba Walker play off ball, but that's it's not going to really work for you. Yeah, it's a good one-two punch because Drew Holiday is also a tremendous defender at shooting guard. Um, yeah. And in that case, you probably prioritize bringing back Kaminsky instead of Lamb and letting Lamb go if you have to. Uh, I think Lamb. I think Lamb has to go. Period. Yeah. I, I, at the at the point of his progression, like I could see him again being on a Spurs team. I could see him uh, scoring a lot on like a Suns team, like being mm-hmm. a really reliable person on Suns or a Kings team, but I don't think where we are as a team, we can afford what you would have to pay uh, to keep Jeremy Lamb on this team. Yeah. Can I throw it? Can I throw my Hail Mary at you? Yeah, go for it. I'm looking at other names while you do that. Okay, so someone got hurt in these playoffs um, oh boy. On, the Golden, on the Golden State <laughs> Oh boy, don't avoid me. <laughs> uh, on the Golden State Warriors uh, by the name of Boogie Cousins. And a lot of people are saying, oh, man, there goes his max contract that he signed this $5 million deal with the Golden State Warriors to get his ring and to show that he can be a productive part of a championship team. Well, that's out the window now because he's injured. Okay, so I'm Cupcheck. I call up the Golden State Warriors and, and Boogie's agent and I said, hey, what if we figure out and bear with me? A, a sign-in trade, okay? So you sign and trade Boogie for the four-year max. We trade you the number 12 pick and Nicholas Batum. Hear me out. Hear me out, all right? <laughs> so Nicholas Batum's contract somewhat matches up with what a four-year extension, max extension for Boogie would be. The Golden State Warriors are never, not coming close to the 12th pick in the draft, for a very long time. Think about what the Spurs did with the 14th pick when they picked um, Kawhi Leonard after they traded, uh, oh God, who they traded? George uh, Hill. George Hill, right. So think about what you could do with that 12th, what you could do versus any other team with that 12th pick in the draft. We were just talking about how um, Nicholas Batum could look good in a bench situation. <laughs> they need shooting off the bench in Golden State. That's some nice foreshadowing on your part. When you uh when you mentioned that earlier, uh huh, I'm set. I'm laying it all down. It's I've got a whole master plan. Um, and Boogie Cousins, no one else is going to give you the max. We've re-signed Kemba Walker. We will give you the max, and we'll roll the dice on you've got to get healthy, and you roll the, and you go forward with Kemba Bridges and Cousins in the Eastern Conference, which he's never played in. Like, I think you could do something with that. Who says no, Jonathan? That's my question to you, sir. <laughs> 
I, Shout out Bill Simmons. <laughs> I, oh, is Bill Simmons the one who proposed that idea, or do you just is that no, his? Uh, who says, says no? Thing? Says, who's who says no? Yeah, yeah. No, this is my <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I don't hate it. Um, Cousins is a risk, obviously. Um, it's definitely a home run swing. Yeah, yeah I have one major concern with the Marcus Cousins though, and that he's the only time he's been on a like whenever he's been the best player his teams have been awful and whenever he's been put on good teams he's made the team worse so like with the pelicans they had the good year when he got when him and anthony davis were together at the end of the year um the next year the pelicans were better when he sat and anthony davis so there's that concern um that's probably more of a fit issue though like with that's, what was, that's what I was thinking is that you're pairing yeah. with AD versus pairing with Kemba, which he isn't. I don't think on a team with Kemba Walker, he's the best player. I think Kemba Walker not, is the best player. Not after his injuries and stuff. No, and I think yeah, um, yeah. I I I don't hate it at all, especially if other Great. If other things don't work. <laughs> you got to um, conjure what you want from your reality to make it happen. Now I've said it out into the world. You guys yeah. get together. Call me if you need any advice. <laughs> yeah, I have, uh, I have I have other concerns about Demarcus Cousins also, like the fouls and turnovers and stuff. But he's a great player. There's no doubting that. And it would definitely um like one of those things where you just have to you have to get talent and make it and figure out a way to make it fit. And I think he's very talented. Obviously, um, other names to try to go after. Some of yeah. these more difficult than others. Uh, Bradley Beal, uh, Steve, and Whiteside. Harrison Barnes, maybe Danilo Gallinari. I don't know. Now we're starting to get into stuff that I don't think helps the Hornets too much. Aaron Gordon, maybe. So those yeah. are other names to. Yeah, the Bradley up. Beal thing, there were whispers during the season mm-hmm. about a possible Bradley Beal trade um, with Washington. It w- it's very hard for me to see them. First of all, I don't understand why you would trade Bradley Beal. Yeah. Um, I realize I that, you know. Yeah, he's got a hefty contract, but he's is, with the Wizards. He's basically the person winning games. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I assume that a Bradley Beal deal would have to do with John Wall in some way, because um, they got to get off that contract as well. You know, for the most part, and the Hornets haven't been super active when it comes to star names in the in free agency anyway. So if they did some amalgamation of what you suggested or you know got boogie cousins out of nowhere um that would be <laughs> why not both a great turn of events why not both kevin love and boogie trade, cousins. Like, <laughs> trade marvin leaves and michael kick gilchrist for kevin love or how about no you know, trade um mkg and bismarck biombo for kevin love and then nicholas Batum for demarcus cousins obviously with other picks and malik monk would probably have to be thrown into like the cap shade or something and there we go so we have demarcus cousins kevin love miles bridges Sure, Jeremy Lamb could come back and Campbell Walker as our starting five. Hey, man, you should comment on our on our website. <laughs> that stuff is, uh, you know, that sounds exactly like what they say on uh, on atthehive.com. That sounds like that's just like the internet as a whole. Like I, I saw something similar when I was going through. Uh, there's a trade machine that's not an ESPN trade machine that is more useful at this point because ESPN trade machine won't let you trade players that have options and stuff coming up. Um, and you can share trades, and there was stuff where like the Hornets were trading like the twelfth pick for Demar. And I was like, that's uh, I don't know, if that's, I don't know if that's gonna work. Well, one, he's a free agent, so that'll work right away. But um, there are some issues with that. Just like a lot of a lot of fan trades or stuff like, oh, we'll just give them the fifty seventh pick and our underperforming player like Malik Monk, and they'll give us Kevin Love. And it's like I don't the teams teams want like actual useful things. Yeah, and speaking of a weird mindset when it comes to the Charlotte Hornets, and this may be too late to bring up, you just tell me. I kind of want to b- talk about the Charlotte Observer. Right. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. I thought we were going to talk about that earlier when you when you mentioned them, but we kind of went off on a tangent. That awful editorial thing. Yeah. About, like set him free, like he's a caged bird or something. Yeah. So basically, their argument is that he has given a lot to Charlotte that Charlotte can't provide him with what he needs and assuming that they know what he needs and, and what he wants to do with his life and that yeah. the Charlotte Hornets should just allow him to leave without trying to re-sign him. 
what kind of what like this is the local newspaper this is your city's paper of record um saying hey we don't want to subject you anymore to the charlotte hornets uh we want you to leave it's such a weird mindset for a city it's, it's almost like you have a, a complex like hey we we don't want you to have to spend your career with the charlotte hornets that's like how i don't even know where that comes from <laughs> yeah the if it was an article about like basketball reasons why it'd be better for the hornets to let Kimball walker go it, it's it's a better article i would disagree with it but at least there's you know a solid foundation that you could formulate something off of the idea of like, we're not good enough for you. So we should let you go. It's just very, and just, it doesn't make any sense to me either. It's, it's not a, it's not a fact-based argument. It's a psychological argument. Yeah. Yeah. I've read those articles that you're referring to. The ones that the Charlotte Hornets would be better because, you know, they would put themselves, give themselves better draft odds and they wouldn't be burdened with a huge contract in a tw- on a 29-year-old point guard. I disagree mm. with them, but at least it's, you know, they're making an argument. It, to say that somehow around, it's yeah. not good to be in Charlotte, which I know isn't exactly what they're saying, but they're saying basically <laughs> your life would be better somewhere else is just a weird argument to make isn't it it's a whole editorial staff uh signing off on this you know it's it's like a relationship breakup where you say it's not you it's me but you actually mean it like you know what i mean yeah bro yeah you know what i mean pick your head up it's good to live here it's great kimball walker it's not that we don't want you here it's that you're too good for uh, to play here, so we want you to leave because for your own good. It, like this is yeah. it's it's sports. Like if he wants to play here, you keep the good players here. It's yeah. it's it's not that. It's not the that Charlotte deep. Observer like turn off the Drake playlist and just <laughs> get some sunshine or something. Yeah, you know? the, even, like yes, it's a it's a right now it's a bad contract situation. But in the NBA, teams are always rising and falling. And and mm-hmm. look at the the Pelicans were losing their franchise player two days ago, and were you know talking about where the state of the franchise was, and now they're about to get another franchising defining player. Um, yeah, that they're gonna thing. be all right. We're gonna be all right. Kemba's gonna be all right, no matter what happens. You know, <laughs> whole thing was a joke, and then the timing of it too. Where it was like they had that locked and loaded for as soon as the season ended. Um, if the just like it's that was just bad. If if there's one thing that the Hornets probably like the Hornets as an organization really wanted was for the 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 city's local newspaper to come out immediately after the season was over and try to push Kimball Walker away because he's too good for us. And not one edit, not a single editorial where some you know guy who wants a bunch of clicks write, writes this mm-hmm. article. The entire editorial staff signed yeah. off on this article. Um, wh- why? Why? What? Why? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's it's just one of those things. It comes back to like, and it's just, it's something I said today in a comment section, and I I firmly believe that anybody, and they would kind of have to obviously because it's their job, but anybody that proposes that a team should actively be bad should be required to watch like 75 percent of those teams games while they are bad yeah and you you have to be there when they're bad Uh i I feel that way as a as a fan as well even Mm -hmm. before i was writing and and doing a podcast like hey you know i showed up to the the first game of every season because if you're, you got to be a fan during the bad times. The Patriots, yeah. who have won a bunch of flipping Super Bowls, had a, a long time where they were a bad team. And mm-hmm. uh, although every there's a bunch of people walking around in Charlotte with with Patriots stuff, like there were a bunch of people in New England who went through bad times in the cold weather. At least you get to watch <laughs> the Hornets in nice weather. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah, it's a, it was that was a horrible thing. It was just it's one of those things that it's like I don't even know how to counter it. It's so out in left field that I don't even know, like, I don't know where to start a rebuttal that's grounded in anything. Cause it's just, there's no, like nothing to jump off of. There's no logical. Yeah. There's no, it's just, yeah. It's a psychological basis. It is right yeah, horrible. Just, I, yeah. Um, do better Charlotte observer. 
I don't want to say anything more because I don't. It'll all be bad stuff. And I, <laughs> I don't want to say anything bad about the Charlotte Observer, mm-hmm. um, because unlike them, I value my hometown. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to end this talking a little bit about the draft. Um, it's coming up next month. Uh, did you? I want to talk more about positional needs than specific players. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because, and you might, you probably have more knowledge than me about the prospects. Is there someone jumping out to you as a prospect that you like a lot? No, not that. That's my <laughs> okay. problem. That's the problem. Right. Like there are guys that have their own like pros and cons. Like I said, like Kevin Porter, he looks like James Harden. Like he he's incredibly talented. And then you look, and he's got he averaged like nine points a game. And surety and his work ethic. And then Bol Bol is like a unicorn, but he has a stress fracture in his foot. So seven foot three players with a stress fracture in their foot when they're 19. That's not good. And then no. everybody and then it's just like guys like PJ Washington, who's got no red flags, but that doesn't have anything that jumps out as being overly good. And there's a bunch of players like that, where it's just kind of like a bunch of just meh. Do you, what about a position? Is there a position that you'd like them to go after? Again, assuming that we resign Kemba. I don't think the team is strong enough in any spot to pass up a player of that position, other than point guard. Best available versus yeah, address the position. And there aren't going to be any pure point guards really at that spot. Like the only Kobe White is probably the closest thing to a point guard from unc that would be it's around there yeah yeah but he's a combo guard like he's like six five two so there's not like a pure point guard. so the hornets don't really have that option so i think you just pick who you think the best player is because need wise like miles bridges is a since he can place three or the four i don't think you have to keep like factor him in when you're picking another player because like Someone like Rui Hachimura or PJ Washington, who are similar, like they can play side by side and be like kind of interchangeable. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, and I think no matter what happens, whoever we pick at that twelve spot will not be. You know, you never know, but will not be the type of uh, impact player that will change anything next season. No. Um, so if you get a chance to put it into a package that can change your future, I think you do it. Yeah, there are a couple of players, like I said, that I think have that potential to be like a Donovan Mitchell, like instant impact, like Devin Booker, instant impact from a spot in the team. So many risks that it's not necessarily like it's not something you would count on. Like Miles Bridges, I was adamant like this guy, this kid will come in and contribute right away and become a good player in the near future. I was adamant about that. And then I know you were with Shea as well. There's nobody like that in this draft. And with, that could change. Obviously, we could be wrong. We probably will be wrong. But I just don't know who it is. Right, right. What else, so, boss man? It seems like we covered a lot of the I, free agency. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything that you... Let, let's make... Let, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put your feet to the fire a little bit. Mm-hmm. Does, does Kemba Walker resign with the Charlotte Hornets? I think so. Do we so that's a yes. Do yeah. we pick at do we pick at the twelfth spot or do we trade that um pick? If I had to bet or gamble or guess or whatever, I'd say no. Okay, perfect. I agree <laughs> with you on, on both. That doesn't um, mean we don't have bukus of draft coverage coming in the coming month. Until we trade that pick, we're still covering the draft. But I would. Oh be... no, I'm just I'm just putting you down <laughs> yeah. on record so that I, I can. <laughs> when you change your mind, I can ridicule. ridicule. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just just for anybody that's listening that thinks that I'm, we're gonna like slack off and not cover draft prospects because we I don't think they're gonna make the pick. Like I'm still. Oh, about... you've already been covering draft prospects. What do you have? Do you have anything oh. planned going forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have the I did the mock draft roundups like throughout the season. Um, we're gonna do the same thing we did last year. We're gonna two different things one we're gonna do like a a writer's mock where we're all gonna sign up for different teams where somebody will take like the pelicans and they'll have a super easy job because they just pick zion williamson and we'll do like five picks a day i think or something like that so you just we'll all write we'll all make our picks and we'll give like a quick 
25, 50 word paragraph about why that team picks that person just to see, just to give like our own little mock draft. And then also we're going to just be throwing all sorts of draft profiles on individual prospects throughout the, throughout the next month. Players available at, at 12, at 36 and at 50, whatever, picking the fifties, just so pretty much everything. Like I'm going to be writing about Kevin Porter and Romeo Lankford the next couple of days. Fantastic. Be on the lookout and, for that. Yeah, be on the lookout for that. Jonathan, where can they find you at? I am at John with no H. So at J-O-N-D-E-L-O-N-G-4-2 at John DeLong42 on Twitter and on at the Hive literally every single day. Perfect. I am also now <laughs> a writer on at the Hive.com. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you so much. Please check out my player reviews. I did one on Miles Bridges. And one on that Jeremy Lamb of ours, um, our dinosaur hunter. Um, best Tyler best, best in Best Tyler on the site. Hey, that's that's what I'm here for, my friend. That's the only reason uh, that they let me do it. Yep. Uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter at the85pod. Um, and now you can find me on at thehive.com. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time, sir. Oh, no problem. I'll, we'll see you guys later. Peace out.